Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with John Cooper, who is a fellow podcaster, author, and coach. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. Thanks so much for being here. So you are a coach. What type of coach are you? Tell us a little bit. Well, yeah, so for the last uh, 10 years, I've been, um, you would say, a dating coach. That's how it started. Anyway, um, a girl, I was actually an art director at the time and a girl broke up with me, broke my heart and it derailed me and it took me on a course of um, learning how to be better with women, better with, in my relationships, learning about women, learning about electromagnetism, took me down the path of learning about Tantra and um, I was, yeah, and then I kind of uh, took that path for a number of years, started coaching men and women. I worked for a company called Get The Guy in London as well so I'd take a lot of women out on a a Saturday night and get them talking to guys Um, but ultimately I was doing this because I was um, I didn't realize at the time I was trying to heal myself from a lot of that pain that I went through with the breakup and actually that pain was actually what it really was when I really boiled it down was actually abandonment issues from childhood yeah I really went my mom's psychologist she always says research is me search (laughs) right exactly yeah so I actually think that our vocations are an expression of what we're trying to learn from it you know we're trying to vicariously heal ourselves through the eyes of our students I believe that's something that's that's an insight that I have happy to be uh, changed on that but for me anyway that was definitely the case so I was coaching guys and trying to help them with their relationships with women because on some level I was trying to solve and resolve the issue that I had with that breakup and the pain that it caused and so what happened was I was actually a coach, just, just a, a normal dating coach, but I actually had this kind of insight within myself about how this actually has a deeper level to it, which is about the brokenheartedness. And from that pain, we, the externalization of that pain is to try and control other people and try and control situations. When we come from that pain, we come from that emptiness. It's like a, it's like a, a, a cup that you need to keep filling. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I realized that, when I actually did a lot of the internal work on myself, I actually did a lot of the self-reflection work and, and embodied myself and really came to terms with that pain. I realized it's not about controlling interactions to, your, to an outcome. It's actually just about expressing yourself and just and being quite free with that and being outcome independent and actually just playing with women and actually just seeing it like a, uh, not in a negative sense, playing with them as in you're, pl- you're creating something like, like in a childlike way, rather than seeing it as this big operation to uh, try and pick up a girl. And um, so I developed a philosophy out of that, which I called social artistry. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a philosophy to try and counter some of the stuff that I was seeing in the dating community, which was about, it was called the pickup artist community. And uh, so they, these were guys that were teaching uh, other men how to use techniques and uh, algorithms and hypnosis and all this sort of stuff just to like you know meet a woman and I remember thinking at the time I, I remember thinking this is very creepy stuff I'm sure there must be an easier way to to just connect to the woman so I basically created my own philosophy and it was actually it was the, it was the hero's journey that I went on within myself that was expressing itself in and I wrote a book called Game Over which is a, a book about how the game and the pickup artist community is uh, flawed and there's, a, there's an easier, healthier way to human connection. So I've been doing that for, for 10 years, basically. Wow, that's amazing. I'm so fascinated. I think I've seen, you know, over the years and, you know, looking at the course of history, the transition of gender roles and, you know, a lot of this uh, identity and intersectional politics. And oh, yeah. I, I think it's had a huge impact on relationships and how men and women interact. Um, personally, I don't think that it's been for the better, <laughs> um, but I'm curious what your thoughts are and what you've seen. And Yeah, I mean, um, I've got a good, I have a different take on the gender dynamic stuff because I, I see the political side of it, but I, I kind of like to go deep into the, uh, as, as far into it as we can, into almost the molecular level of gender and then see how it all emerges from that. So 
I see gender as the, the first layer of, of gender dynamics is gender energy. So that is the yin and yang of life, effectively. And people, people call that the masculine and the feminine. So the masculine is about, um, it's about externalizing. It's about making points. It's about um, boundary setting. Um, it's about uh, going forward, yeah, externalizing. And then you have the, the feminine, which is about reception. It's about opening. It's about yeah, receiving and uh, it's, it's uh, allowing. And so those two together are the yin and yang of life, effectively, you know, that, that, that has to interchange all the time. And you can see that even you see that in sex, you see that with the externalizing of, of the, the male genitalia. And then you see it with the reception, the moistening and the softening of the female genitalia. That is the yin and yang on the physical level, in the, in the human level, if you like. But you can even see this in conversation, believe it or not. You can even see gender dynamics playing out. So. You have someone that's making the point. So right now I'm making a point. I'm, I'm in my masculine. I'm externalizing, if you like. Now, if you're in your feminine, you're going to be receiving what I say. And then there's a conception of something. But you often have in conversations, I'm sure you, you've had this experience, where you have two people are stuck in their masculine energy. They both want to make a point. And it's like, yes, I told you you had to go to the shop last Thursday. And they said, yes, but you also said that we had to go on Wednesday. Yes, but. And you have these yes, buts. Yeah. That is effectively the two masculines hitting each other. They're literally butting heads, the masculine. Yeah. So there can never be a conception of anything new in that conversation. So for that to actually conceive something productive, there has to be someone that drops into their feminine and receives what that person's saying. And you could also, you could, uh, on a linguistic level, they would say yes and. Yeah. Because then yeah. that shows that you receive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. the laws of improv. And I actually, I, I love improv and I use a lot of that with my coaching. And then from that level of gender energy, out of that emerges uh, male and female. So you see this not just in, the, in, in humans, but you see this in the animal kingdom, you see this in the plant world. So you have the male and female part of the flower, you have the stigma and the stamen. So you see how that expresses itself in, in, through the male and female of you know, the, the earth. And then coming out of that, that's when you get man and woman. And so they're all different elements, they're all different layers, but they do all inform each other. Sure. So that's why you can even look at this from the political level. So you have the political left is actually more about the feminine. So if you notice, they talk about open, bound, uh, open borders, yep. mass immigration, you know, uh, just allow everyone in, come on, we love everyone, you know? And then the, the political right is more in their masculine because they're more about boundary setting. They're more about st uh, st stronger boundaries, you know. So that is actually a transposition of the gender dynamics over politics. And so that is where you have a lot of the, con the conflicts uh, within politics is because one is believing in the idea that there needs to be more feminine and one is believing there has to be more masculine. And it's an unconscious thing to a, to a, to a, to a big degree because you can ask a lot of people on the political left, you ask, and there could be staunch feminists, and you can ask them... Um, what do you want? They said, we want a female prime minister. We want a female prime minister. And you say, do you want Marie Le Pen? No, not that one. Not that one. No, 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 no. We want Macron. It's because it has nothing really to do what they're, they, they think they're um, campaigning for. It actually has to do with the metaphysical, which is all about what does their political party represent? And so for the political left, it's about the feminine. And for the political right, it, it's for the masculine. And so that's why a lot of these uh, uh, tension points arise. It's because unknowingly, um, they are um, they're fighting for their for their gender dynamic, if you like, their gender energy. And so that's actually on, on the deepest level what's going on. And so this actually you can see this also, um, like you mentioned before, about how does this affect relationships? So you actually I mean, I, I've taught men and I've taught women. And I would say that a lot of the problems that the women that I was coaching had, and especially they were in London, they were great business women. They were very headstrong. They were doing great in their jobs but they, they weren't able to drop into their feminine at all. And so what was happening was they were only really attracting the feminine men because there has to be a polarity, yeah. right? So the only way that there was that they were able to create that arc of attraction was if there was a yin and yang create, the masculine and feminine. So they were adopting the masculine uh, energy of point making, being very strong and making those points. And they would only really attract the men that were pa like being passive and receiving that all the time. So for these women, a lot, a lot of them, I was having to teach them how to be back in their bodies again and learn the, the beauty of being in that receiving energy, yeah. you know? Because I think what's happened in society, we, we, we tend to think hard is good and soft is bad. Mm -hmm. That's kind of yeah. the, the take on it. Because if you say, oh, you're not hard, people go, yeah, oh, I'm trying. 
but there's there's a, there's a beauty in softness. There's a beauty in being in, in receiving, and there's nothing more attractive when you when a woman is really in that receiving energy. It promotes the masculine. It promotes that that charge, that sexual that that masculine uh, charge. So that's actually something that I've noticed, and especially that we see uh, in the Western world, a lot of women are gravitating towards feminism and different brands of feminism, which is about trying to teach women to be more masculine and more like men. And then we have the flip side of that with teaching men to be more feminine. So we have the kind of, it, what's happening is it's, it's like a, a, a it's homogenizing society. We're losing yeah. that polarity. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the, the one small problem with that is biology. <laughs> you know, yes, biology exactly. I'd agree with that. Yeah. So that's the, that's the thing. So and they're, they're even getting to the point where they're denying biology, you know, and, um, and we, we were given this beautiful gift of biology and it's all speaking yeah. to us all the time. And yet we think that we're above biology. We think we're above nature and we think that we can somehow, you know, create, create our own version of it synthetically. And it doesn't, unfortunately, nature is too strong. <laughs> you, yeah. can't, you can't defy nature, can you? That, that that's such a beautiful point I, I'm seeing that kind of all around you know I, I definitely see that I think the most recent example is with you know COVID and mm. you know what's going on with all that a virus is a virus right it, it has its natural principles of virology and science and biology and we've had all these uh, across the world like you know policies that are trying to control a virus um, and it, you know, I think it's uh, it's it's like you're saying it's putting on this uh, element of trying to control nature instead of letting nature do its thing, and yeah. you know, we're a part of that. Yeah, we're not just control nature, that. control control the human race effectively in, yeah. in response to it all, which is just completely ridiculous. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that if if yeah. not now, but um, I just think everything that's going on with that at the moment is just. Um, uh, beyond dy dystopian you know it's it's some, it's something that we to the likes we've never seen before and uh we are basically it, I, I used this before it's, it's it's like hyper focusing on a paper cut um and forgetting about the tsunami that's about to hit you know yeah. the effects of this lockdown on suicide obesity domestic abuse missed cancer treatments um you know anorexia um just mental health issues depression the um, poverty of businesses um, just can be being completely crushed over a virus with a 99.7% survival rate. Are we actually mad? <laughs> right? Are we actually mad? And yeah. the problem is, is, is what happens is, is we get, it's like a magic trick. We, the, 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 the mainstream media, the politicians can all move our, our point of attention on this tiny, tiny speck and then get us to forget about all of this and not care about any of this. And this, this is the this is the elephant in the room over here, but we're all focusing on a speck on the wall over here, and um, it's absolutely ripping a rip. It's already ripping society apart. It's ripping the world apart, and there's almost like nowhere to run either because I just think this, the real virus is uh, propaganda. That's what I think it is. That is the real virus. It's, it's propaganda and fear, and unfortunately, fear. people are and and people are choosing to be fearful. It's almost like the new virtue signaling is to be the, the most fearful you can look and be. And spread that fear to others. The more of a good person you are, that's the virus itself. You know. I, I agree. I so agree with that. What do you think is driving that? Driving the hysteria. <laughs> yeah, and driving this uh, desire to promulgate fear and to create a pandemic of fear, if you will. Well, um, there's a lot of people that benefit from this. Mm -hmm. so that shits to anyone that's sort of on the fence you have to always ask yourself follow the money who does this benefit it's 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 not hidden information that that uh the top you know amazon uh, zuckerberg um all the other uh, elon musk all the big uh you know players are making i think they've doubled their money almost haven't they in the in, in the last year or something ridiculous like that maybe yeah. not as much as that but you know it's astronomical growths yeah so why would they want to stop anything? If you have a business that's never made so much money, you would want to stop anything. And so you have like a Zuckerberg that's in control of social media. Why would he want to threaten the narrative in any way? So that's why, that's why lots of stuff's being censored at the moment. Anything that counters the central narrative is being censored um, for misinformation or harmful speech or hate speech, of course, because it's a threat to the, to the, to the industries, the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, it's a huge industry. It's making billions and billions from this. Why would they want to stop it? 
And so it's very easy for them to have their, their people in positions of power or that there to be a conflict of interest or some kind of relationship between them and, and, the, uh, and, the, and the politicians to make sure that um, no other message comes in that, that uh, conflicts with the central narrative. And we see that with politicians, we see that with the newspapers, the mainstream media. You, you just tune into a TV or radio and it's fear, fear, concern, cases rising, vaccine, vaccine. When's the vaccine? When's the vaccine? More cases, deaths, vaccines, vaccines. There's no talk of immune system. When, when was the last time? When was the last time you heard them talk about an immune system and how to boost the immune system? And everything that they've done to, in terms of policy, is decreasing our immune system. You know, uh, exactly really, everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's shut yeah. down gym, but let's keep liquor stores as essential businesses, and you know, let's keep everybody locked inside. Decrease social interaction. All the things that are strengthening our immune system. They've told us not to do. A really interesting thing I was thinking about is how you know the flu season. A friend of mine was telling me this, and it was such a great point. I loved it um, about how. You know, there's not really a flu season, but what happens is during the winter, we have flu, quote unquote, season. And it's because we're locked inside, we're, you know, bundled up more. So we're not, you know, having that uh, expellation of, uh, expelling, sorry, of our, you know, bodily waste or our air and uh, our breath and all the things that create what we call flu season, they've now told us to do with COVID. And so they've now created a year-round virus season a year-round yeah right? not just year-round yeah. forever round I think is the idea yeah that's the worrying thing about it yeah and, and I would have thought people would have woken up a little bit when they said you can't catch the virus at a Black Lives Matter protest yeah you, you, would, you, would, you would have thought people would have gone to having a laugh you know obviously obviously this is propaganda and when they said you, you can catch it you, you're more likely to catch it at a Trump rally you, you'd have thought that might have woken some people up, but I'm guessing I'm guessing it didn't, you know. And then when they started saying that, you know, you should have sex through a glory hole in the wall, I would have thought then people might have said this is starting to sound a little bit farcical. Or then when you have to when you're having sex with your partner, wear a mask or when you have to wear you have to, you should probably wear a mask indoors as well. Or, you know, I mean, what next? You know, now they're talking about anal swabs, you know, for a respiratory virus. For a respi I mean, respiratory yeah. virus. And yeah, it's like. Like how, 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 how much of a circus does it need to become before people actually, the Joe Normies start to wake up? That's what I don't, I, I, I don't get. It's like, I think what they're doing is they've gone, should we try this just to see what happens? <laughs> right, thought, right. Should, shall, we, shall we tell them they need an R swab for a respiratory virus? Yeah, go on, do that. Do you know what? They've taken it. They're doing it. Should we tell them they need to put like an eight inch dildo on their head to walk around because that might stop the virus? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, how much can they keep pushing this before people actually go, this is a joke. I mean, Costa, all the Costa, Costa coffees, all the local cafes are shut. Costa coffee, McDonald's is still open. You know, Starbucks is still open. Right. You know, all the, I can't hug my grandma, but premiership football is still allowed to go on. Or uh, dancing in the start, dancing on ice and uh, what is it? Strictly come dancing. Right. But people don't care. People don't care because as long as they, as they said in the Roman times, as long as you have your bread and your circus, they'll never complain. As long as you have your premiership football and you're dancing on ice no, and, and you, have, you, you have your food, you'll be all right. And that's what's happening. People are being uh, mollycoddled and, uh, and cotton walls and they're giving little rewards such as uh, free money by the government, you know, free handouts by the government. And so they're getting all that. They're being given little rewards every now and then. And so that's what, that's what placates everyone so that they don't uh, revolt, basically. And so the whole thing for me is a massive scan. And uh, if we're not, if we don't push back on this very quickly, then we, I think as, as, a, as a species, as a, as a civilization, we're in a lot of trouble. We already are, but we're going to be in a lot more trouble. And I'm sorry if that sounds negative, but no, it's not, I'm not I, trying to breed fear here. I'm actually trying to breed awareness. And, uh, and, and, and that's what I'm trying to do here. So then let me ask you two questions mm -hmm. to follow up with that. One, what do you think if we continue this trajectory, where do you yeah. think we will go? And then two, what do you think are some things that we can do to combat this? And where, yeah, where we're heading into is a cashless society where everything's digitized. We're on, we, we, we move into a social credit system whereby our, our behavior is being monitored. Well, it already is to a certain degree, but super, super surveilled and, and monitored to the point where I think you will be denied. Well, they're already talking about COVID passes now, so it can deny you travel, right? Um, even though they say that the vaccine 
um, doesn't stop transmission or infection. That should that should have woken up anyone with an IQ over 50. It hasn't. Um, but so we're, we're moving into a system where they can they'll take that a step further and they'll say, if you want to use this supermarket, you need to show that you have a, a, a vaccination certificate or you need to have a social credit score of over a certain amount. And if it, if it, if it isn't over this, so it's like Black Mirror, effectively, the episode of Black Mirror. And if you haven't hit this score, then you haven't met our community guidelines and it will all be sort of done on an app, you know, virtually. So um, that's that's where it's sort of heading to at the moment. Uh, the Great Reset, I'm sure you must have had guests on to talk about the Great Reset, Klaus Schwab. He's openly talked about this. Um, you know, you'll, you'll own, what did he say? He said, uh, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Um, they want to destroy local farms and, and uh, create synthetic bug burgers and vegan burgers and all this sort of stuff. They uh, Effectively, we're moving into global, it's a sort of global communism. It's like a, a, a neo-feudalistic uh, um, uh, technocratic superstate, a corporatized superstate where they're in control, the Amazons and the, and, the, and the Jeff Bezoses and the Zuckerbergs and the Bill Gates are all dictating to the massive, they transcended government, which they already have with the World Health Organization calling all the shots to, to government at the moment and getting them to pander to them and take their orders. But it will be to an even more, that on steroids, where they are completely controlling society and uh, effectively denying you rights for everything unless you have their vaccine, which is not even a vaccine, by the way. It's an injectable drug, if you look into it. It doesn't stop transmission or infection, and they haven't even isolated the virus. Right. Um, that should have woken people up, but that hasn't. mRNA, and if you go to the Moderna yeah. website, they call it an operating system. They How call is it an operating, system? an operating system. So you, then people say, oh, no, that's just a metaphor. It's like, come on, it's <laughs> not a metaphor. You can go on, anyone that's interested to look at this, you can go on patent scope, and you can have a look at the uh, Microsoft uh, patent for this, which is a cryptocurrency device, which harnesses human um, energy, human behavior, human output, and converts it into a cryptocurrency. Um, it's actually 060606. You can just type that in, type in patent 060606. It'll all come up. And here's, this is the interesting thing, Courtney. None of this is hidden. None of these things, sorry? None of these things are hidden. No, and, and the symbolism. 666 yeah. is in all of this stuff. In the vaccine, yeah. there's 0.66 milliliters of luciferin. Lucif luciferase. And, and yeah, they, they, yeah, it's a yeah. derivative of luciferin. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. There's a lot of symbolism. I think a lot of it actually comes down to the occult. There's a, the, it, I don't want to go too down that path today, but yeah, there's, no. uh, we're, li we're living in an occult occultocracy. Uh, these, the, the, the higher up the echelons of power you go, the more occultist it becomes, the more... Um, um, the, the, you know, the more the, the darker the energies, the more it's, it's about um, rituals and worships and, and symbolism and numerology, and uh, even things like colours and things like that. The further up you go, it's more ritualistic. So we see little trickles of that um, permeating into things that we, we see. And so the you'd have to say it's, it's funny, it's ironic, but the uh, the Bible talks about the mark, the mark of the beast six six six, and either that's predictive programming, either that's coincidental, or 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 that's referring to the, the, the injection everyone's getting, the mark of right. the beast. Because I, for me, it's, it's, genetic, uh, it's um, genetic engineering is what's going on. Yes. Genetically yeah. engineered, GMO humans, basically. But it's mRNA. So, yeah. Know, that's absolutely genetic engineering. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what's your take on it, Courtney, everything that's going on? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I do think that it is really scary. I see this very much as... You know, for lack of being too uh, mystical or, uh, you know, spiritual about it, but I really, or oversimplifying it, but I do see it as good versus evil. And the way that I look at it is I see, you know, evil, uh, I see tyrannical forces that want to control humanity. To me, that's evil because it's antithetical to human nature. You know, mm -hmm. human, regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are, human beings are endowed with free will. That's what makes us human is our consciousness and our ability to, to make choices and actions and to have take responsibility for our actions. And that's our free will. And the tyrannical forces want to clamp down on that. And so to me, that is evil forces. And then the forces of light are the, light, the forces that want to you know, promote free will, that want to have human beings uh, be free and who want to uh, embrace that notion of us having our inalienable rights. And those are the forces of light. And I see those as a major clash coming to a head right now. 
Yeah. Um, and the forces of evil, for lack of a better way of putting it, are very, very strong. And the reason I believe personally that they're so strong is because, you know, I think any man who thinks, and, you know, I mean, for those who are politically correct, you know, all humans <laughs> think that, you know, evil is only out there. That's a very naive uh, perspective because the reality is evil is within each of us. And mm. I personally yes. believe one of the, you know, that one of the flights of life and of humanity is to combat the evil that's within us. And part mm. of the re mm. reason that external evil is so strong is because it pulls that evil that is within us and it lures it. And so I think it is the plight and the goal of each individual to surmount that evil within us, to try and find the light within us to combat it and to overcome those, you know, uh, tendencies and those, uh, you know, enticements, if you will. And uh, so I, I, that's what I very much see. And because tyrannical forces combat individualism, you know, and they favor collectivism, they're... Yep. It, that that's how they're trying to combat the individual light. And I think that light is very, it only takes one candle to drown out the mm. darkness, right? So yeah. I think it is one of the things that I'm seeing that is probably, I mean, there's so many different things going on, but one mm. of the things that I see pervasive in this uh, pandemic of fear is a uh, squashing of critical thinking. You know, people are not thinking for themselves. People are not thinking individually. And when you destroy critical thinking, you promote fear, you promote collectivism, and you destroy the individual. So, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, well said. And actually, that that collectivism versus the individual—that's also a gender. You know, I talked about the gender energies. That is the masculine and feminine. Collectivism is the feminine, and individualism is the um, masculine. You will know that I'm drawing a line in the circle here. There's a reason for that. It's because the the feminine. I want to, by the way, credit someone who's a good friend of mine. His name's Darren Dog, and he's an absolute gender wizard. His whole career is about gender work. So I really, um, you should definitely have him on. He's a great guy. And if you're watching this, please check him out. So a lot of this comes from him. The, the, this is his insights, basically. So I'm hopeful I'll do him justice here. But you have these two shapes, okay? And you see these two shapes in nature, the circle and the line. Now, this is a feminine shape because when you start drawing this, you'll always come back to the same place again. That's, that's the feminine energy, all right? The, the masculine energy, if you start drawing a line from here, you'll, you'll never end up in the same place again. So that's, that's an expression of the fact that masculine energy creates change, whereas the feminine energy wants to keep perpetuating the same state. So this is state and this is change. So you can see that transposed across the political world in a way. So you have the, the left, the left wing especially, are more statists. They want to, um, if anything, they want to create, um, they want to, make a global state they just want to they want to break down all boundaries and just think we're all one come by art you know that this is the the the, the, the political right it's more about the luck this is the individual so it's more concerned about um honoring the individual first within the collective and that's also the, the the battle that's going on at the moment like you said the censoring of speech for all individual voices critical thinking and if you don't then you're in trouble you can have people knock on your door for a mean tweet or misinformation or something which is actually happening um, and, and so what's trying to happen is that the feminine, the state, you could say that other people refer to this as the, uh, the devouring mother archetype, or the, I've heard other people call this the terrible mother archetype. It's trying to subsume all individual thinking and ideas and point making into its blob to create a homogenized hive mind, a little bit like the Borg from Star Trek, where everyone's exactly the same. They look the same. They think the same. It's just a total homogenized um, species. That is, that's, the, that's the end game for the state, for the feminine, the dark feminine. For the masculine, it's about the uh, bringing in that new energy. And when you actually have the line and the circle come together in nature, you can even see this on the computer. You actually have the circle going into the line. And that refers to power. They call that power. But you actually see this in nature where you have the line and the circle coming together. You get spirals in nature. You see this in galaxies, water vortexes, shells. You, you see it in your ear. Uh, the Fibonacci sequence, this is where you have an integration of the masculine and feminine coming together. And yeah. so that is the perfect integration of the two together. When they're just separated at war with each other, that's where you get the current political paradigms. So that's where on a gender level, that's what's needed to happen. And actually also you can see this perfectly 
surmised in the Matrix movie. So yeah. you have look at look at Agent Smiths. They're all the same. They look the same. They've even got their surname is Smith because it's representative of the typical common British name, I guess, Anglo-Saxon name. And then you have Neo. Neo represents the individual, right? He represents that line energy. He's the one that brings the new energy, the new change, the new ideas, the new thinking, the critical thinking to break apart the state. That's why he's called Neo. He represents in Latin, it means new, to the new change. Yeah. Also, look at these shapes. You have, what, what, they're, they're circle and line, but what else are they? What else would you say that is when you're typing on the keyboard? What else would I say? A line and a circle is also what? It's not just, a, a, they're not just shapes, they're also... Uh, well, I mean, I can think of a lot of things. But oh, I know, yeah. We'll come on to that in a minute. Yeah. It's okay. Let me, before you put your foot in, <laughs> um, they're numbers. They're numbers. Okay. Right. One so we have yeah. one. We have zero and one. Yeah. And also, if you in, in the Matrix, what he is known as the one. Neo is the one. Yeah. So, so this is all for me referring to gender energies. In subtly, it's referring to the the, the the gender energies, and Neo is representative of the one that breaks away from the state is, is so embodied to the fact that he can speak up against the system, against the state. And at that point, when he truly owns that, then he's able to dodge the bullets, you know, when he totally believes in himself and that power of the individual totally own, owns his own self, total yeah. sovereignty, you know? So that for me, the matrix is, is, is giving it away. The agent Smiths, and you'll actually see these agent Smiths in your own social media um, friends. You'll see this even amongst your own friends and family because you'll post something on Facebook, and then they'll quickly come and they'll jump in, they'll stick a laughing emoji on what you're putting, and they'll tell you, you're a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist. Yep. I wish you'd shut up. Yep. And so they, in that moment, they become the Agent Smiths. Because what they're saying is, you cannot have an individual idea. I'm not gonna let you have that individual idea. So next time, do not do it. And so you have that, it censors you. It makes you think, I better not say anything next time. And now you're gonna now what's happening is your the individual thinking and point making is being subsumed into that into the state, into the hive mind. So that's right. kind of the, the war that's going on at the moment. So for me, it's just about remaining brave, remaining uh, you know, really coming into your power, stepping it up and being truthful to yourself and and know and 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 getting into your moral compass. That's the most important thing. And speaking from and being that Neo from the Matrix, you know. Yeah, we, we need some courage, really. It's uh, yeah. what we need to combat all of this. Um, so that, that was my other question. What, what do we need oh, to combat yeah. all of this? And I think courage. Yeah. Really well, yes, a lot of courage and bravery and courage and bravery in non-compliance. Yeah, that's what I believe. Because I think as, as, as good as I think protests are, I think the presupposition of a big protest is to say, you're beating us. You, are, you have the power over me. And I want to protest to get people to stop you doing this to me. But what that's saying subconsciously is saying that the presupposition is I have agreed that you are in control of me and I am resisting to try and stop this, which you have the power that you have over me. Whereas I think the best way of doing it is just mass non-compliance, like just Simple. take the masks off, um, open your businesses mm -hmm. and, and, and get people to come and support your businesses and create a mass. Let's create a mass pandemic of choosing life again. Yeah, you know? and if everyone did that, everything would change in a day. I, um, but unfortunately, people are so, like I said before, they are so fearful and so obedient to the state. And you'll also notice it's a lot of the people on the political left are the ones that are totally loving all this and being really obedient because they love the idea of big daddy or big the big brother, the big state looking after them and 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 subsuming all your independency into that that big brother figure. So you'll notice that they tend to be the ones that wear the masks. And I've, something else that I've noticed that happened in 2020 was that 2020 vision, I don't know if you thought about this, but 2020 vision is when you, everything, you see everything lucidly and clearly. Yep. And what did we see in 2020? You could see everything that was going on. All the darkness came up to the surface. Yep. All those people that just take their daily dose from the mainstream media, from the BBC unquestioningly, they're the ones that got queued up for the vaccine or the vaccine, the injection, because mm -hmm. they, 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 they take their, they're injected with their daily dose of information unquestioningly. So they're the ones queuing up for the vaccine. 
all the people that don't believe in freedom of speech and freedom of expression of expression are the ones that are religiously wearing the mask because that's a that's an expression of the fact that they don't want to be the ones that are in that masculine change energy and making those points they're happy to cover themselves and, and blend into the blog you're yep. seeing that even to the even to the levels where people were this is going to trigger a lot of people. Even the people on social media that were doing the blackout for Black Lives Matter, oh, yeah. I believe that they were blind to see the actual uh, anarcho-communist agenda that sits underneath the politics behind that. It's so a BLM fist. It's a communist fist. It's a communist <laughs> fist, for God's sake. By the and symbolism, it's so, yeah. The symbolism's all there. And now it's, it's not even hidden anymore. The symbolism is now all coming out to the surface. And you can see, you can actually see everything that's going on. You can see the power structures more clearly now. And you can see the people that are, you're around, your friends and family. You suddenly think, well, you're, you're really buying everything the media is telling you. And then you have other friends and they're totally um, uh, razor sharp to everything that's going on. And I think it's almost like all, it's like when you shake, like shake sand, it all kind of comes up to the surface. That's what happened in 2020 for me. And I think now we've got, now we're kind of at a bit of a crossroads where we have a, a, a it's a very, this is probably the most important uh, time in civilization right now, because this is a crossroads where we can either go down the path of total dystopian hell, um, or we can it's actually- The red pill or this. the blue pill, to use the matrix yeah, analogy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think we can purge a lot of this stuff out. It's a bit like the detoxification in the body. You mentioned before about the evil, right? But there's, I think the earth or the or civilization is going through a detoxification process and all, like a pus, you know, when you get a pus, the, the, the wound cut, the, the, um, the, uh, that 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 pus is bringing out the uh, whatever it is that's that's causing that pus from the inside. It brings it up to the surface, right? Yeah. So in a way, I think that's what's happening. The the, the pus is coming up to the surface, and we're now able to see when what's going on. It's now right. You, now now we we should be able to spiritually cleanse this from the planet. You know. So I, I going more into solutions because I like solution orientated thinking. We need to be thinking about new paradigms for things like uh, where we get our media from, how we get our media. Like I've had this idea recently and it's instead of just getting it from the man on the TV and just taking that information and seeing it in a newspaper, I think we, what needs to happen is we need to create a new type of uh, paradigm whereby everyone goes to a protest, everyone, people go to these uh, events, they shoot from the hip, it gets uploaded to some kind of website, an, an unbiased uh, aggregating platform, which just takes everyone's video um, content and then everyone can actually go in there and look at all these um, videos together. And then you can draw out from that the narrative rather than it just being like a top-down narrative, if you know what I mean. It's a grassroots way of um, sourcing out information. I think that, I haven't quite got it clear in my mind, but I think that's the way that the, the media has to work from now on. It has to be shot from the hip and done by the people. That's how I see grassroots. it. There's a it lot kinda, of attorney, attorney. It kinda, yeah. yeah, it kind of is like that anyway, because we have Twitter, but there has to be something that's more focused on news events where people upload all their videos live, you know, the shot from the hip. And then you can actually take and you can aggregate all that and you can see what the truth is from that. You know what yeah, I mean? It has to be something like that, because at the moment we do have alternative media, but that will just get shut down, doesn't it, very quickly. And there is also um, a catch with that is that a lot of these alternative media platforms are seduced slightly by their advertisers and the people that are donating and things like that. So they're all, um, they can all be uh, corruptible, I think. So oh. they, they have the potential to be corruptible, not give the pure message, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. They have a, you know, they, their own agenda to be. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's still top down in a way. Yeah, still yeah. top down. I'm in the process of launching a new site mm. called Truth Matters. So. Oh right. Oh yeah. You showed. I was on your yeah. group. Yeah. Yeah. Great. You bet. So I loved when you were talking about, uh, you know, the feminine being like the circle, the state, the collective, and yeah. masculine. And I, mm. I, it made me think, kind of just, you know, uh, the a return to primordial man, you know, or like prehistoric man, where you know he was the hunter. He went off on his own. That's right. Yeah. Journey to to hunt, to provide, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And the women were tribal. They, you know, hunt, they gathered, they, you know, took care of the children together. Uh, it was a very collective uh, tribal community. Yes. Um, yeah. So, but that was, but that was working in symbiosis together. Yes. That was, that, that was a shared, that was a shared agreement. That was a shared contract. That was like, we'll, we'll work to our biological strengths and we yep. will re rear the children. We'll, um, uh, we'll, we'll kind of, um, you know, 
make the food and create that collective and we'll gather the berries or whatever it is to, to create that, that hub. And then the men would externalize. That's why even the symbol, you can see the arrow coming out of the circle, if you know what I mean, of the, the, the masculine symbol. Yeah. That's the, that's the huntsman, that's the, uh, the, the, the hunters. And so that has always kind of been the paradigm that we've lived in throughout the history of time. Only in the last hundred years or so, women have now started, some women have now started saying, why is it the men that are like out there in the external world? And why are we stuck at home, you know? But no one's asked the men if they would like to be at home, do they? No, no one said, how do you feel about being the breadwinners and being forced to work like 50-hour weeks, 60-hour weeks and more 80-hour weeks? Would you like to stay? No one's thought about that. It's just whatever the men have, these feminists want, you know? And so it's, it's like I said before, it's creating a, uh, it's deep, it's, 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 what's going to happen? It's going to depolarize the sexes. We're already seeing it now. We're seeing the, the beat that, what do they call them, the soy boys, the kind of the feminized men. And we're seeing the more the kind of the headstrong um, women. And it's going to create a, a homogenization, I think. And I think that's by, that's not by coincidence. I think that's by design. I do too. Yeah. Well, what do you think the intention is behind that? I think uh, this is because um, to when you homogenize men and women, so they're actually blurring the distinction between male and female. That's the that's kind of where it's going, where yeah. there is no distinction between male and female. They're even saying that boys can have periods. So they're already pushing this stuff, right? Absolutely. They're already, um, they're, I mean, there's, where, how far do I go with when the men become more feminized and the women become more masculinized and then they're going to say that you can't even use the word man anymore that's offensive now put an x through it um they even in brighton recently they said you can't call it breastfeeding you have to call it chest feeding and you know it's just like so if you actually take that and, and take it to its natural conclusion that is actually turning everyone into a um a homogenized uh, like like the borg like a one where where there is no male and female it's just everyone is just the same you know and so when that happens that is the perfect prerequisite to able to synthesize us with technology and and, and, tu and turn us into um yeah like cyborgs effectively semi-human and te technological slaves i believe I th and i think that has to happen first you to able to move us to that point where we're synthesized with technology you have to strip away everything that's intrinsic to the human so you take away uh, masculine and feminine, the male and female roles, masculine and feminine energies. You have to um, take away communion. You have to take away family. You have to take away spirit, wild-heartedness, dance, singing, joy. You have to take away um, uh, local communities. You have to break down, uh, you know, the families and communities and, and stuff like that. And then once that all happens, then we just all become, then you have to do things like um, don't talk to each other, don't talk to strangers, fear everyone. Um, you have to keep six feet apart from everyone, no touching. So what this is doing is actually uh, what this is going to do to uh, humanity. It's actually going to strip us away from our, our biology. It's going to strip us away from our, from our um, human nature, I should say. It's going to strip us away from our human nature. And we're seeing that already. I mean, think about that. Children have to go to school and they're in little boxes and little cages. Children, it's child abuse. It is child abuse. It's absolutely child abuse. And they're wearing the mask. So they don't yeah. need facial readings which is yeah. part of their development you know, know. that we, we have studies that show that children particularly between the ages of uh you know zero to seven if they mm. don't have uh the facial recognition they're more likely to develop tri dark triad personalities you know like yeah. schizophrenia paranoia uh abandonment trust issues um yeah, so a whole host. It's, it's horrible, and I think that they're 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 working on the children first because you know we we won't be here in a few years' time. They're the new adults, so I think they're targeting the children first, and this is going to have a huge time bomb effect on the development of these children when they can't touch, they can't smile, they can't see, like you said, see people's uh, expressions. Mm -hmm. Children need to play. They need to fall over they need to bundle they need to like play fight they need to be roughhoused you know with their parents and you know like with the father you know to get them into their bodies they need to make mistakes we're creating a sanitized environment where they can't make mistakes they can't touch anyone they can't look at anyone sometimes you know this is going to completely destroy psychologically these children and then they're also now talking about getting uh, vac doing experimental vaccines on children at the moment i mean it's just that's it's really crimes against humanity. It, it, these are these are crimes against humanity, and it sickens me that people still can't see it and still think it's about this, this virus. I mean, it's like how bad do things need to get before? I mean, you know, they're they're even talking about quarantine camps. They've got camps set up. You know, 
they're, they're, um, they're talking about giving people 10 year uh, jail sentences if they don't tell the authorities where they went on holiday. I mean, at what point does it at what point does it get to before people go, shit, I now see it? Because do they have to be literally carted off to these camps and then held up against a wall with a gun against their head? Will they wake up then? I, I mean, I don't know at this point because I think 2020 was an intelligence test and I think we failed. And I, I can now see, I can now see what, when people said, how did the Third Reich come about? How is it people didn't resist the Third Reich? I, now we know. <laughs> no. Now we know. It's because people are so stupid. That's why. People yeah. are just so, we can see the conditioning and the, bra and the brainwashing, and the propaganda, and we can see the effects on it on our families and friends. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can have this conversation with my family. I can say, you do know that that injection does not stop transmission or infection. And, yeah, and I, was, I was reading that. So why are you getting it then? Why are you getting it? And, and it's just like, and they just give you the fluoride stare. That's the thing. They just give you the fluoride stare. It's like cognitive dissonance where you're showing them the facts, showing them the website, the front of the website. But yet, yeah, but Boris Johnson told me differently. Right. I just heard from BBC, the man in the suit, his suit looked nice. And I always take, I always believe the BBC. He told me that I have to go and get it. Otherwise I'm going to kill grandma. That is, you know, it's, it's really, that's what we're up against. You know, it is absolutely. I, I was going to ask you that earlier. Um, do you think that, you know, when you, when you're saying like some of this stuff is just so absurd and it, hmm. ludicrous that, but people are convinced of it anyway. Do you think that they really are, or do you think some of it is? Uh, I, I guess it's, it's. I think some of them really are. Do you, and do you think some of it is? And I, I, I was going to say, I think that this is. It's still they really are, but do you think mm. some of it is just this cognitive dissonance where they just dig their heels deeper because they're almost yeah. shamed and embarrassed of, you know, the lunacy that they've been convinced of. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that totally believe it. And uh, I mean, I know that from just some of the people that I speak to. I think there's some people, it's like a bell curve. Let's look at it like a bell curve. There's some people that totally believe it. Then you get people that like the moderates, I call them, kind of, they, 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 they're kind of on the fence about it. And they kind of like they're looking on both sides of the, to see what's going on. They haven't quite made their mind up, but they're kind of acquiescing to the whole thing anyway. While they're wearing the mask and they're kind of going along with it. And then it kind of comes down to the other people who can you kind of see what's going on. And they're like me, I'm just saying, no, I'm not going to wear a mask. And if anyone's, I'm just exempt. I'm exempt. I actually made a badge the other day. I don't know if I've got it on me. I just made a badge that said exempt from fascism. And I just wear that in shops now. So it's yeah. like, so I have this one. So I have this one. This this one, you can actually get this. It's like a, a card. It's a disability card. Oh. Um, where you could wear this. And if anyone says anything, you just say, I'm exempt. And if they, if you, if you need to show an authority, just show them that. And is that, uh, where, is that from the- You can, you can, you can get or? this from the, yeah, this is, in, uh, I don't know if it's the same in America, but you can get this from the uh, UK website. Wow. So if, if I, if I need to, I'll whip that out. But I also have another one that I sometimes wear and it just says exempt from fascism. And, uh, I, I and I just, that. I just wear it. And if anyone, <laughs> and I, you know, because they, in, in our, I don't know if it's the same in America, but they have no right to ask you for a badge even yeah, no. under the under the under the disabilities act they cannot um ask they cannot keep they can ask it once but they can't probe you on that because then it's uh, it's seen as a uh, what do they say um it's under some kind of disabilities act or equality act they're not they're not allowed to hound you not allowed to harass you so um yeah so that's kind of how i can see we it, do yeah. have uh, the american Di with disabilities act it's a new yeah. in, in america and they actually can't even ask you what it is uh, that's mm. a violation, you know, both of HIPAA and the American Disabilities Act. Yeah, there um, you go. I personally, I, I'm hearing so, and really impaired. Mm. So, you know, I have lots of uh, quote unquote disabilities. I never consider myself a disabled person. I, I, can I ask you about your story? You've got yeah. a very interesting story. I only kind of realized it when, when you kind of, we started talking, but you've got an incredible story. So you had um, all these things going on for you when you were young. Were you, how old were you when you, had, when you went through all those um from birth, my mom. From birth. Uh, yeah, my mom had uh, the German measles during first trimester mm -hmm. pregnancy, and uh, yeah, so she uh, and right right from then when she found out, they tested the titer. The doctor was actually dyslexic; he misread the titer. He read it as being one twelve. Had he read it correctly as one twenty one, my mom would have actually had an abortion. Um, I would not oh, be here goodness. to tell the story. Um, but I, when I was born, lots of rubella babies, I'll give you the very cliff notes version of the story, mm -hmm. but, um, they don't fare well. And, uh, you know, they were covering up for the doctor. So, you know, we, 
didn't know at first what all the complications were, but uh, I was born with a cataract in one eye. So I am blind in one eye. I was born with hearing impairment. We didn't know when I was younger because I actually learned how to speak by reading lips. So wow. the masks are horrendous for me and like, you know, mm. really, really trying to every coping mechanism I've ever, you know, developed because mm. <laughs> I read lips and I learned how to read lips uh, and that's how I learned how to speak. But when I was about six years old, we realized I really had a very significant hearing impairment and I got bilateral hearing aids. I had heart surgery when I was a year old. Um, I had, I was born with hypotonic limbs. So the muscles in my limbs didn't develop. Um, I, my growth was stunted. I had fine and graphic motor impairment, uh, missing 10 teeth. Yeah. So, you know, they told what my mom a, the best she could hope was to find a nice institution for me to spend my life. So, what is the story? And what do you, what was the change for you? And how did you, how did things start to, um, how did you heal I, from all that? You know, I, I think my mother and my grandfather were very, very determined. You know, they went even from the beginning when they were covering up for the doctor, my mom was searching. She knew something was wrong. They kept telling her, you know, baby's eyes don't focus. And she well, one eye's focusing, you know, it was like, why is the other one rolling up in the top of her head? That doesn't make sense if baby's eyes don't focus. So she finally found a doctor who confirmed that I had a cataract. She recognized that it looked a lot like her father, who my maternal grandfather who had cataract. Um, and uh, when they did the cataract removal, you know, back then cataract surgery was not what it is today. Today, it's a very routine procedure. They actually pulled the iris and they left debris behind my, uh, behind the iris. Um, and so they had to do what's called a retinal cleanup and they found rubella pigmentation behind the sighted eye. So that began the series of my mom hunting around, you know, different doctors and try and mm -hmm. find some sort of assistance for me and, uh, you know, whatever kind of medical advancements could be used. But really I attribute so much of it to like, I had, a, I've always been very, very determined um, for better or for worse that, you know, my mom always says I'm one of those people who like, doesn't know when to cut my losses and run. Um, <laughs> but I think that will has really uh, served me in overcoming a lot of my challenges. Um, I think, you know, a lot of my movement practices have yeah. uh, enhanced like my, you know, kinetic uh, sphere and my proprioception compensated for lack of vestibular sense. Um, and when, so the, I was born in between that time where like there was a vaccine. So rubella was not very prominent in the States, um, but it was a little bit too early for a lot of the, you know, medical advancements. Mm. And so there were no more rubella clinics except for one. And my mom found it, it was the Roosevelt Institute. And, you know, they of course thought because a lot of rubella babies are, they do, you know, grow up to be completely blind, completely deaf, autistic, retarded, uh, you know, in the clinical sense. Um, they were very concerned about that. And I did a lot of what you would call like mimicking, um, mm -hmm. you know, because that was my way of, because I couldn't hear and I wasn't seeing while well. I wore a patch over my sighted eye every other day of my childhood. Um, mm -hmm. So I was essentially blind and deaf every other day. And uh, I did a lot of this just mimicking and trying to figure out how to relate. And so of course they were convinced that I was autistic and retarded. And the Roosevelt Institute, which was the last of the rebel clinics, told my mom, they said, we're not at all worried. She's going to be absolutely fine. And she said, why, why? Everybody's so concerned about all this, you know, hand gesturing and mimicking and imitating. And, and they said, she has such a vivid imagination. She's using that as her coping mechanism. Yeah. And she's using her, she's creating her own world. I actually created something called Bubble Land, which was like a world because I wasn't, you know, part of everybody else's normal world. So I created my own world and I invited other people into it. And we spoke gibberish applying the laws of improv which was you know the and yes and and we mm. we understood each other because kids are great at communicating with nonverbal communication mm. and they do accept the premise of yes and and they have very strong imagination um so that was the way i was able to use my imagination to build my own world and develop coping mechanisms that would enable me to then you know relate you know in a more wow so it's the power of imagination and power of will i would say I, yeah. I really do, you know, I am, a, I, I'm not particularly religious, religious, but I am very spiritual mm. and I yeah. very much believe that from, you know, conception, my will wanted to be here. Like my yeah, definitely had a, had a desire to be here and to live and say yes to life. So 
Amazing. And then so now that now you actually help other people get into their bodies and is it do you help them with their imagination or is it like a total yeah. thing? Yeah. Well, I think so much of, you know, being in uh your in like you were saying with uh, when you work with uh relationships and you coach yeah. men and, and, and women, a lot of it is inhabiting their bodies, right? Because yeah. You know, we, uh, we, we get into this very much like the Cartesian dualism of like, you know, are we mind, body, and we separate, mm. we split a lot. Mm. And the reality is we're mind, body, and spirit. We're all of it. And mm. until we fully inhabit and drop into that, I don't think our minds and our consciousness can be fully realized. We need to do that. And so I think, yes, very much a part of like inhabiting your body is inhabiting that sense of play. And that broadens your you know, yeah. uh, imagination and that, that's kind of what I was talking about. That my social heartistry project was what I was trying to do because the the current way of dating was all about seeing everything as separate objects. They even used to call women like of the object or the target, and you'd approach the the object or approach the target, and then you'd use all these very kind of lifeless, soulless words to describe a, a, a kind of an organic conversation so social heart history is exactly what you just said it's about returning to the heart of a child that's how I refer to it because if you look at children they're not trying to get outcomes they're more they're more in they're more concerned about the play they're they're they're, they're luxuriating in the, in the play of the moment rather than doing something for the for the protracted outcome of that thing so if you see children in a playground they're, they're not going approach the swing go to the talk to that approach that person they're just like it's one big pool of potential it's yeah. like potential adventure potential fun you know and that's all there and no matter where they go it's all rewarding moment by moment um satisfaction from that yeah but as adults what happened is we've lost that ability to play and we see that i'm only going to be fulfilled once i get that thing so once i get the the uh I'll work all hard for a weekend. I'll work all year for a holiday. I'll work my whole life off for that pension. It's, it's that thing. You're kind of putting off this thing, this thing, this thing. You're working for that outcome. And then when you get it, you're going to be happy. And I think that the lessons that we need to learn are from the children. So children are very forgiving. They've, you know, they, they'll let things go quite quickly. You know, they are very honest until they get hurt. And then they have to learn how to be a little bit deceptive. But that honesty is like a natural thing, isn't it, with children? They're like brutally honest, some children. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, they're very uh, tactile. They are very, um, uh, yeah, they have no qualms about, you know, even being naked or touching people. It's just all very kind of natural to them. There's no taboo around that. They're very... Um, giving so you'll notice that they might run off and they'll bring back a little leaf have you seen kids do it and they give a leaf to their mum just for no reason that is like an unconditional gift it's an unconditionality that these children have and I think that we what's happened is we've lost that that's the natural and we've trained ourselves out of that and we've gone into the abstraction and the abstraction is yeah working hard for outcomes um you know our, our minds are very calcified um you know we're, we hold grudges we're not very forgiving um, we don't really give we, we don't give unconditionally we kind of do things if I think I'm going to get something back from this person I might do something with them you know so actually the children are the great elders they are the wise ones and if you I'm 39 right now so mm -hmm. if I consider the fact that I was a child up until let's say 18 yes. so I've actually been a child for my whole life but I've only been um, an adult since I was 18 so the child gives birth to the adult if you see, if you see it like that it's the child that has the entire life experience and it's the adult, which is the, it's the, uh, it, it's given birth to from the child. So it's actually the adult, which is the, the immature one. It's the one that's had the least life experience. So if people rem remind themselves of that, you can actually tap back into that, that kind of youthful energy, that kind of youthful way of seeing things, playing with people. And unfortunately what's happening with the lockdowns and everything, what do we have? We have everyone forced six feet apart, no smiling, no touch. No, you're not allowed to dance. You can't, you can't sing even in, in, in certain places if you can get into the places. Um, all you have is some eye contact. And so, and, and so you're losing all of that. You're losing all of that natural spiritedness that makes us human. And I'm just worried that if this continues for so long, then, then I don't know what effect that's going to have on us, and even on our you know, DNA or whatever it is, our genetics. Because if this keeps going on, then you know, who are we? because that's so fundamental to, to what it means to be human. So I've been going up to people on the streets and just saying, hi, can I see your smile? Oh, I love that. And so, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're like smart taking this. So I'm still countering this on that level. And I think we can all do that. 
you know, um, have a, have a conversation. I have, I sit down with homeless people now and I have conversations with them or, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, make people laugh or just, or I'll, I'll just do a little dance on the street or something just to show that this might be going on, but it's not, it's not affecting me. I'm in it, but not, I'm, I'm in it, but not of it. Yes, absolutely. I, and I do think, I think we need more of it. And that's such a beautiful way to practice civil disobedience. Yeah, you know, and it's it's not in a uh, angry militant. It's it's in the mm. warmest of uh, humanitarian ways. So, yeah, because yeah. if you look at children, they they uh, they're not re- they the ones that are kind of just walking around and they're not really knowing what's going on. They see, you can still see that youthful, playful energy, inquisitive energy that they have. You know, so I think we can do that. We can I use some of that. and I think one of the things that you know. When talking about all these uh, sociocultural, uh, you know, uh, projections that are occurring currently, and I think one of the things that I think is so incredibly damaging uh, to all psyches, but is this lack of redemption. They're breeding shame, and I see that throughout, you know, all of the uh, uh, kind of the identity politics, this uh, gender blurring, this, uh, you know, in each of these different you know, the, this race baiting, it's all uh, breeding shame. And, you know, if we don't have redemption, then we can't move forward. And so I, I, what are your thoughts on that? So how, what, what do you mean, how would we redeem it? <laughs> how would we redeem it? Mm. Uh, well, I, I mean, personally, I think that, you know, redemption comes from forgive, forgiveness and acknowledgement. What I, what I oppose is this wanting to erase history because when you erased it, you can't acknowledge it and learn from it. And mm-hmm. if you can't acknowledge it and learn from it, you can't, you can't move forward. You have to own something and you know, know where, where you come from and appreciate that. You know, it, it's never gonna be perfect. We're, we're human beings, we're flawed. <laughs> you know? So history can't be perfect. It, it's comprised of humans and they're flawed. <laughs> so, but I think that there's so much to be gained from learning from our mistakes and recognizing the mistakes that we've made and forgiving them and you know seeing how we can move, make better choices in the future that, that's personally what i think i don't know what are your thoughts so you, so you don't believe in pulling down statues then i, I don't that's not my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm not a fan <laughs> yeah because that's again damaging I, you know i really think very yeah what are your thoughts for the reasons you just said you, you need to be able to look at things to remind you of the past to know to kind of leverage where you are now and see and reflect on things to see how you've evolved as, as a civilization you know what i mean but when you pull down all those things then um it just again they're trying to the the, the, the collective is, is trying to rip apart anything that's associated with the, the various point making historical point making so that's why statues are coming down they're even saying I don't know if this is, it's difficult to know what's parody and what's satire and what's reality at the moment, but things like maths is now patriarchal, you know, maths itself is, is some kind of like um, dom- uh, male dominated structure that needs to be um, over, like pulled apart, dismantled, even maths, science as well, you know, um, saying that like there's, there's two genders is now hate speech. So all these things that are the, the bedrock of what we know to be true, is being pulled apart and then what does that leave then you have to ask yourself what does that leave when you when you when you take that to the conclusion when you take that to the furthest point to the extreme what does that leave for society you know, not, not much i should imagine yeah not much and when you talk about children what i think is so fascinating about that i think what you're really uh expressing is that children are they're authentic they're in their authentic yeah. state and so certainly they don't have a uh, you know, they don't have the knowledge and the uh, experience, but I think mm. it, if adults can harness a return to their authentic self, whatever that may be, mm. that evolves, I believe. Um, and yeah. on that. I, I do think it's an evolving, I don't think uh, authenticity is stagnant, but I think to harness authenticity throughout life, mm. it, that's the, you know, inner child, if you will. And that's the inner her- child, yeah. And like you said before, it's, uh, you know, the, the as above, so below, the, the, the darkness, the evil is also within us. The darkness is, is within us. And I've noticed the people that can actually see what's going on at the moment, I know for a fact, because I've worked with a lot of these people, they're the ones that have done a lot of that work themselves. They've done a lot of that psychic cleansing work. They've, they've been to the hell worlds and back. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a little bit like the hero's journey. I don't know if you, you yeah. know, like the, the, the Hobbit, he kind of got, he doesn't want to leave the village. Um, and then he gets kind of gets, uh, you know, baited into it by, by the Herald. And then he goes, goes on, goes out the village. Um, and then there's, there's normally a bridge in these movies. And when the bridge collapses, that's representative of the fact that you can't, there's no going back. And then they normally go into the, uh, into the darkness into, or the, the belly of the whale in Pinocchio or like the dragon in Lord of the yeah. Rings or something like that. And then they, they claim the prize, the elixir, uh, uh, you know, some kind of boon from that. And then they bring it back to the village. That is effectively the process of um, integrating your pain. So when you go down into the darkness of your own unconscious, your own, uh, the, the old, your, your own psychic world, you have to face the dragon, don't you? It's, it's, it's like you, you confront the dragons, the beast, you know? And then if, you're able to, then if you're able to work through that and integrate that pain, then the prize, the goal, the elixir, is to be able to, um, to, to, to kind of like, um, you have def- it's not like a defeating, it's you've glassed over it, you've integrated it. And so you've, you've, uh, you've um, that, that evil which was once controlling you no longer controls you anymore. And you're able to, you, the gold is like the awareness that you have from that process, right? Those are the people that can see exactly what's going on right now. The ones that, don't see what's going on. They're the wearing the masks and they're just taking what they believe from the TV. They, 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 they've never gone on that journey before. They've never faced their own demons, their own darkness. And so they're too frightened. So they're, they, they wouldn't dare look at that. It's, it's like pulling back the curtain and, oh, don't like that. They, it's too much for them. So they would rather buy into the current uh, way of the p- current paradigm. Just, just tell me what's just going to keep me safe. Just, I'll just take just the little sweets from the politicians and the, and the mainstream media creating that fantasy, projecting that fantasy world, yep. right? And that's, that's what we're seeing at the moment. If people were able to do that, like uh, learn how to come to terms with their own darkness and their own evil, then they would see the evil externally. They would be able to see it externally because they've seen it internally. And, uh, and that's why I think that's, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a, it's a spiritual war, isn't it, that's going on, I it think. It is. Yeah. That is so profound. Absolutely. I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I, I feel like we could go on for hours. We I could love to do this again. Um, That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be yeah. great. Maybe I can have you on my show as well. We could talk yeah, about we'd your, love it. Your, um, I would love it. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll tell people if you have any closing things you want to wrap up um, and tell people where to find you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the, at the moment, I mean, because of the lockdown, um, I've actually started my own podcast and I'm trying to invite on thought leaders and people like yourself and like authors who I think are creating, um, speaking up against the central narrative. They're in their individual point making and they have a, a message that gets, de- you know, they're deplatformed or they're, they're, they're ridiculed or, but they have a very potent message. So I'm inviting on these types of people. It's a, it's a YouTube um, show it's the John Cooper show is the name of the the, the link um, and the, the podcast is called raising the bar and so that's about raising our level of education our awareness and uh, trying to lift us all up you know trying to to take us out of the quagmire and um, so that's what the uh, that's the name of the podcast and I'm doing that at the moment and of course I'm still doing some coaching as well but obviously we're a little bit limited by the person-to-person coaching at the moment so okay. that I'm doing a podcast if anyone would like to check that out that's on my YouTube it's also on iTunes Spotify and Google Play. I love it I love it thank you so much and yes we'll definitely do this again thanks Courtney yeah lovely thanks for having me on This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.